Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson, and for those of you that have been listening to our show for a long time, you've probably heard my number of times I've I've gone from being a survivor from from three times up to five times now, and I am now a five-time survivor over the last 23 years. I've deal, I'm dealing with stage four breast cancer. It's now progressed to my lungs, but it doesn't seem to stop me from talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I am a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and I am the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life, and I am getting ready to release my audiobook very soon. I know that's very exciting, Becky. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I'm Sharon Hennepin, and I'm a 25-year breast cancer survivor, certified life coach, and the author of my book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And Becky and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And before we introduce our guests, I just wanted to take a moment and just talk about um, what we think about really does matter. And the reason I pick that one is I've had conversations with people where, you know, somebody's done us wrong, you know, whether it's our husband, you know, he did something. And it's funny how we can dwell on all the negative stuff. And then our brain is really designed to support our thinking. So you see more and more and more negative stuff. But you know what? It works the opposite way as well. So when you notice the good stuff and you think about the good things in people, your brain will also show you evidence of that good stuff as well. So I just want to make sure that people understand that that does make a difference. So if you're having trouble with somebody in your life today, make sure you're thinking about what's good about them because sometimes it's we forget and we dwell on the bad stuff. So just just a little reminder. Sharon, and that's a great reminder. I do I really, really honor what you just shared with our audience. And and it is so true because, you know, we do tend to we, we kind of our our hearts go where our brains go, you know, and if we're thinking negative stuff, um, it's it doesn't take long to turn it around into something positive. But yeah, you can get really dug into that hole and go down the rabbit hole, as they say. So oh, yeah. I just, I Easily. just really, yeah, I really want to thank you for for sharing that. It's yeah, it's no really problem. Important. And one one other little thing is, don't use the words never or always. I mean, you don't want me ever to use those words. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, <laughs> unless you're talking about never using them. Got it. <laughs> Because, well, again, no one always does something that's or true. never does something, right? I, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. But sometimes that's what that's the way it hits us. So, yeah, really good reminder, good advice, Sharon. Thank you. Well, I have the pleasure of introducing our guest. And I do want to apologize. We had a little technical difficulty today getting online. But we're here now. And we're actually going to push right, right straight through. We're not going to take any commercial breaks that we are aware of at this point, unless we know we're caught up. So, um, with that, hold on to your seatbelts here because we're gonna we're going for a ride. I got got to meet this lovely lady over the phone earlier today. Her name is Karen Newcomb. Karen is a private practice um, licensed marriage and family therapist in Castro Valley and San Rafael, California. I'm 
kind of struggling here to read some of this. After her husband's death from cancer in 2007 and her own treatment of breast cancer in 2011, she ferociously immersed herself in the use of writing tools to heal and navigate life's inevitable twists and turns. Karen presently facilitates cancer support groups, including writing groups throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. Right Through It is the Writing for Healing Project, and it was created in 2012 and is presently recruiting for a research project in San Rafael. She is humbled and moved every day by the power of the pen, especially by those who have said, but I'm not a writer. Oh, boy, God, can I relate to that one? <laughs> yes, you can, and I'm going to ask you to do that in just a minute here. So, so, Karen, why don't you, well, first off, welcome, Karen, to the show. Thank you for your patience as we kind of got back online here this morning. So thank you for, for hanging in there. Well, thanks so, for having me. I'm really excited. Good. So why don't you tell us about your family, your hobbies? What do you do for fun, just so our audience can get to know you just a little bit? Um, I am a mom. I have two grown kids and um, three new children by my brand new marriage in October. Um, Congrats. So getting to getting to know that new area that I'm living with, I've moved from the East Bay where I've lived all my life to the North Bay, which to me is a whole nother world. Um, so trying to get to know that. It's harder to do at 63 than it was at 20-something. Um, <laughs> <Isn't that the laughs> <truth? laughs> um, but, you know, spend my t- I, I love spending my time with my family, friends, and this ever-growing, love, loving network of, of writing folks in the, in the expressive writing communities. Well, that's, that's wonderful. So, Karen, what was your life like before you got into therapeutic writing, which is really what this program is about today? So what was your life like before that? I think for the most part, it was pretty typical. I was raising two kids with a husband, and we were busy. We did DTA. We did band. Um, I, had a, I had gone back to graduate school and moved from being a teacher to a um, therapist. Um, and we're, we were just busy doing our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you do when you have kids and you stay really busy and um, life was good. All until well, about 2005. Yeah. <laughs> when my so what happened then? Husband was, my husband was diagnosed with ocular melanoma mm. and kind of threw us into this new world of cancer, and it was a very rare cancer, so there wasn't a lot of known things to do about it, um, and because it's melanoma, it's tough to treat, so um, we spent our time traveling halfway across the United States to Bethesda for NIH trials and um, back to Houston and uh, and then what we could find here in the Bay Area. Uh, Must have been unfortunately a time. that didn't didn't go well and uh, and he died. But um, here we keep going, right? Yeah. yeah. So he passed in two thousand seven, right? That's correct. And then you had your own diagnosis in, of breast cancer in twenty eleven. And how did both of those or either of those events lead you to therapeutic writing? What was that process for you? Well, after my husband died, I started um, working with an insurance company that would had a Department of Defense contract, so they would send me from military base to military base all over the world. Um, it was kind of an interesting way to grieve in that I was far away from my family and friends. Mm. Mm. Um, 
And but so how I would re, how I would connect was through writing. And I was never I've never been a real comfortable writer, but it just it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, there was really no other way to do it. <laughs> Um, so, so did you just start by telling, writing your story or your thoughts, kind of more like journaling? I would, I would Is write that... a letter home. I would I'm start sorry? writing a letter home and kind of processing what was going on, what I could process, what I could talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'd get responses and people would say, can I send your letter to so-and-so? And could I, would you mind if I shared this? And wow. it just kind of, I ended up with like a writing group of maybe like 60, 70 friends that oh, would wow. then write me back. And connect with me, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, that's one. That's great. Well, yeah, let me ask you this: I, in your intro, when I was reading it, I I loved the term "ferociously immersed." I mean, that sounds really serious. <laughs> what What does that term? What do you mean by that? That you were ferociously immersed? Well, after my first, I attended a writing group, and I thought it when I I got there and I started doing it um, with my little box of tissue. Um, I went home that night and I said, wow, I really need, I was in chemo at the time. And I thought, I need to figure out how to put this in my practice because this is really powerful. And I looked down on my kitchen table where I was standing and there was a flyer for continuing education units that said, come to this location if you would like to put writing into your clinical practice. Oh, well, that's pretty interesting. (laughs) And it was like three towns away and a week later and off I went. And I said, oh, my God, this is like so powerful. I I don't even have the words as I speak about it now. And then I just, that was with a woman named Kathleen Adams, who has really become my mentor in this. Um, She started the Therapeutic Writing Institute. She is a pioneer in this field. She's been doing it for 35 years. And um, I just, I I went to every workshop I could find that was either nearby, somewhere in Denver, somewhere in New York. um, And I just found ways to get there or found ways to participate. Uh, People would, my friends kind of, I think, got tired of Every time I would, we would be talking, I'd say, oh, that might be a really interesting prompt. That's great. And it sounds, it sounds, Karen, like you, you used writing to help you grieve your, the loss of your husband, but then also your, your cancer. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yes. And what I discovered in that process was how much. Grief is in cancer, yeah. um, and it really it really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of loss. Um, yes. I know at least with with breast cancer. I know we talk a lot about that at Breast Friends because again, whether it's the loss of your health or the loss of your the body image that you've had for yourself for many years. And all of a sudden now you have all these scars and things you have to deal with. I mean, so there, it, there's loss as, as far as mentally, spiritually, uh, physically. I mean, it really covers the gambit. And so I, I, I'm excited to hear more about your writing and how that, how that worked for you. But I have to tell a story because I, I blurted it out earlier on about, <laughs> you know, I'm not a writer, right? And, and, but it's so funny because um, 
I've been with Breast Friends, of course, from the beginning. And from, oh gosh, over 10 years, uh, we've been doing these Thriving Beyond Cancer workshops and retreats and things like that. And, And I got to the place where I was realizing, gosh, I can't reach enough people with just these workshops locally here at the Oregon coast. So um, I decided I was the one to write this book to kind of get the same messaging across, but I'm not a writer. (laughs) I'm really not a writer. (laughs) But what was funny, I, I really felt that I was the one to write this book. And I mentioned it at a uh, a retreat. And a, again, these retreats are for us to kind of process what we've gone through and then create goals for ourselves. So mm-hmm. I was speaking my truth. I was speaking the fact that I need to write this book. And one of my participants said, well, I'll help you. I'm like, what? <laughs> What do you mean? You're going to help me? Um, Because, I mean, it was such an overwhelming even concept to write a book. And uh, uh, what was funny about it, we took a walk later, and she said, you know what? Every book starts with a crappy, and she used the stronger word, uh, (laughs) a, a crappy first draft. And I'm like, I can do that. I can write a crappy first draft. And I'm like, and that was the beginning of my book. So it is amazing with some help, with some, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of that freeing statement about writing a crappy book or a first draft, not a crappy book, but a first draft. Um, It it freed me up and I was able to actually write a book. And it's not a crappy book. No, (laughs) it's a good book. But, But at the same time, it's so funny because everyone starts there. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And you just never know. I mean, my book started as a booklet. That's what it was going to be. And, you know, that's all I had envisioned was a booklet, just like 36 pages, you know, folded with stapled in the center. You know? yeah. And then my writing teacher said, no, this isn't a booklet. This is the beginning of a book. And, you know, we, I think a lot of us start out with whatever we have. You know, you start where you are exactly. and just go from there. So, so but, what, what happens to us emotionally? I'm sorry. I said, I think that surprises people that they have these stories inside of them. I mean, we all know we have these stories, but the fact that we could actually express them, that someone would be interested. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Well, um, what happens to us emotionally when we get diagnosed with cancer and how does it change by this therapeutic writing? I mean, I, I have my opinion, but I want to hear from you, Karen. Well, I think one of those things is, it's a trauma. It's a traumatic event. And our brains, I, I love what you were saying in the beginning, you know, how our thoughts really affect how we feel. Mm-hmm. And um, when we're traumatized, we're looking for all the danger. All these things, you know, all these bad things are going to happen. And we go into that panic place where I think with therapeutic writing, it kind of slows us down and says, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I could do this one step at a time. And we don't go too far ahead. So, you know, okay, I could, I, I, I maybe can do this chemo thing. I can maybe do this piece. I can, right. and we can do it a little step at a time. It slows us down so that we don't stay in that frightful place where everything is horrible. And that yeah. there's nothing we can do where we feel yeah. powerless and hopeless. 
it yeah, helps and us I, get I our control back. Yeah, and I think it does give us power, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That makes we sense. can control something for a moment. At least we can control what we can control and accept what we can't and kind of learn to know the difference. Right. Yeah, the <laughs> I think I've heard that before. Yeah, I think I've heard a prayer. <laughs> and yeah, there might be something kind of like that somewhere. <laughs> but it certainly works right here. It does. Oh, yeah, it, it absolutely does. does. And so what would you say your biggest aha moment was through this writing process? Oh, gosh, I've had... Several. One was, oh my gosh, I guess everybody's going to die, <laughs> including <Yeah>. me. <laughs> and, but I'm not dead yet. So if I'm not dead yet, what can I do? Because I, I think for a long time, I, I mean, I wrote, I had a, almost seven centimeter tumor and 45 malignant nodes. And after seeing my husband's malignancies, it's like I was dead. In my head, I'm dead. Oh. And, um, so it was really this aha moment. Well, yeah, you're some, at some point that's going to be true, but it hasn't happened yet. So what do you yeah. want to do? You can sit yeah. here in this panic and this sadness, um, or you can actually think about what's really important to you and, and what do you want to achieve before you die. And it kind of put me in motion. It gave me this meaning. Um, it gave me the value of my life. <laughs> so it was a really important moment for me. Um, and the kind of going along with that was if you could have three problems and trade yours, what would it be? And it was, it was all of a sudden, oh, this is my problem. And I, I get to manage this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to manage so how you think about it, right? That's correct. And I think this, this writing uh, allows you to think about it differently. I know I've talked about um, journaling to people in our workshops mm-hmm. and work and our retreats. And we, I, I talk about it, and I don't remember exactly where I read it. I probably should look it up again. But there was something about we have these filters on our, our speech, our being able mm-hmm. to talk about certain topics. But for some reason, there's not the same filters that go through our hands <laughs> and to the paper. Right. Is that true? I mean, and we can use, yes, and you can use actually the wonderful thing about, you know, different modes of expressive writing is there are all these different techniques. You know, you can, you can take a bird's eye view or you can zoom in, um, you know, through, you know, if you write in third person, you're kind of distant. She was walking. (laughs) Um, She was cold. Um, so you can kind of, again, slow things down. You can see it differently with a much wider lens. You can know the future, so you can go backwards and forwards in time. Um, there's all these wonderful things that can happen in writing, you know. So what's you're the not, difference you're between... Stuck. I'm sorry. Uh, what's no. the difference between therapeutic writing and like a creative memoir kind of writing then? Well, certainly memoir and creative writing can be very therapeutic. The, difference, the main difference that I experience is that in therapeutic writing, your audience is you. You're writing for yourself. Okay. Whereas when you write a memoir, you want to make sure somebody reads it. <laughs> so there sense, has to yeah. be a little more craft, a little more, right? Right, um, right. So you're, you're writing towards a different audience and for maybe a different purpose, although that purpose can still be very cathartic and useful. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so have you ever done it in a workshop or is it just that you, you know, 
teach people when you're doing your therapy or how, how do you, how do you deliver this message? I offer workshops. Um, I do do them in workshops. I have, um, I do one in Palo Alto that I've been doing since 2015. Um, and then, um, so in a workshop, we write, <laughs> we use prompts, we use different modes of expressive writing. Um, I might put up detour signs and, you know, all kinds of road signs in the room and have somebody pick how to write about one of their detours. And it may be cancer, it may not. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I think okay. people have, when we're in a cancer group, we can choose what to write about that day. Um, and, and it usually leads back to cancer, but often cancer is also affected by what's happened before us, all the, how all those things have impacted us up to this date of cancer diagnosis. Well, and, and just like you, um, I, I have noticed a pattern, and I think it's how our body deals with stress and grief and all sorts of stuff, and, and it, it affects our immune system many times to the point where it allows a cancer to grow. And um, I really feel that a lot of times cancer is like the second or third or fourth awful thing that happens in somebody's life and there's probably yeah. a lot lot of things for them to actually be writing about or grieving or getting rid of um, as they go through their process that's right and and all and in a writing group there the prompts allow us to pull up and make those connections on our own and somebody's not saying oh are those connected you know we're discovering those connections on our own and going, wow, I would have never noticed it. Or, and, and yet there may not be a connection, but you, you have the option to write about that and make sense of it. Um, because our whole life fits oh. into this moment, right? Sharon, yeah. I wanted to just say something real quick here because before we get off of this topic, um, because something you said earlier in your opening, you know, you talk about not focusing on all the negative past things in our lives and, and you know, it's just trying to switch it. That is one of the benefits of writing. And even if you're not called, maybe you haven't called it therapeutic writing, but some people will keep a journal and they'll be able to take all of these thoughts that they're having, these kind of negative ones, and get it out of their mind and onto paper. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean anyone's yeah. ever going to see it but them. But by getting it, for me, when I get it off of my mind and onto a piece of paper or somewhere, sometimes it's just healing to shred it up and throw it away. But right. But getting it out of there is, I think that's one helpful tool to doing that. And Karen, if I'm hearing you right, that is kind of what I'm hearing you say as well. Yes, and that we actually do write about moments of joy so that our brain isn't just seeing, yeah, it's true, all these bad things are happening, but where are the good things? Right. What things are, you know, who, who, what people have offered you kindness um, right. I mean, in the cancer community, how often do you run across people who are just so kind beyond words? Yeah, yeah that's um, true. Very true. And those are really and important. And, and again, even using like a gratitude journal or, you know, using that as your theme, um, you know, we've talked a lot about that sort of thing. Again, shifting your thoughts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some 
crappy stuff that happens, right, in our world, in our, our community, and in our families sometimes. And so right. we, 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 can, we can concentrate on all that stuff all day long, and we'll just keep going down that, that path. Um, or we can find the little blessings, the little things that we can control that are happy or that are that do bring us joy. And I love this time of year because, of course, it's just this renewal with these flowers and and trees budding. And I just, ugh, you know, I love that. And and again, if you forget to even look for those things, um, yeah, I think you're really missing out. And so yes. writing about those and things, I brain- think, is helpful too. Yes, and our brains, you know, sometimes we'll kind of beat us ourselves up for for thinking negatively, but we also need to look at how our brains are kind of trained to do that because they need to protect who we are. You know, you, are you going to have dinner or be dinner? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> That's so it, you know, it, it, it's, its job is to do just that and protect you. But what we, but, and if we stop to smell the flowers, we might get eaten. You know, yeah. so don't don't not pay attention. So we really have to practice how to do that. Deborah Ross in her book, um, Your Brain on Ink, is wonderful and talks a lot about how where our brains go and how to make those new connections for for beauty as well. You know, sure we want to pay attention. There's a reason we want to pay attention to danger, but not everything is dangerous. That's right. true. That's very true. Listen, I wanted to kind of switch gears just for a moment, and I know we'll come back to this toward the end, but um, we have a global audience. You know, they're, they're all over the world, and they're listening to this podcast and hearing, you know, things that maybe are, are intriguing to them, but they can't join your workshop because they don't live anywhere near you. So I, I know that therapeutic writing is something that we can do alone. And, or in a small writing group or whatever, but would you be willing to kind of share with us, like, let's say that if you were going to start therapeutic writing, like, I'm going to do this, what are the first five steps that a person could, could start so they can actually start going down that path and see if this feels like a good fit? So if the first five steps. The first five steps might be something like, you sit down with your, decide what kind of book you want to use, what kind of pen you want to use. Do you want to make the room spell nice? Is there something you kind of want to set up for yourself? You might want to begin thinking about what, what's going on in my life that I might want to write about. You could make a list, you could, you know, make a mind map and, you know, circles and arrows, all these things are going on and just begin to think about what is it that's going on in my life? And then um, this is, this is the acronym. It's called write K. Kathleen Adams has developed this, and it, it works very well. So the, the W was what's going on. The R is reconnecting to, you know, your center. What's going on? Gather your thoughts. Then begin investigating those things. Um, start writing down, you know, what is it like to feel sad or what's it like to feel happy? How did all this start? You can just start investigating. Um, time yourself because... Um, that provides a little bit of structure. And when I was in therapy school, everybody, all, all of our teachers said, you should have your client's journal. But the problem sometimes with journaling is that it, it can be overwhelming as all these feelings start coming out and then we get overwhelmed and then we don't write anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of always giving yourself the option to stop if you're too upset, although it's not unusual to get a little upset when you're 
when you're writing. But anyway, so mm. um, timing yourself is really important. And then when you're done, when you're exiting, begin to notice, you know, read what you wrote. Um, what do you notice about what you wrote? Um, how do you feel? How are you feeling right now as you read what you wrote? Is there any course of action? Is there anything that might be something that I can do to, you know, deal with any of these? Could I get more rest? Could I make sure I go for a walk every day um, and begin looking at, you know, how, how can I, you know, affect any of the things that I'm, I'm writing about? I really like that. I think I, I do. I using the word right, just kind of having it up in front of you. And then if you kind of do that or think about those those letters and what they mean, every time you sit down, you're kind of saying just kind of re-review every time you sit down what's going on, you know, now, today that I want to write about. So kind of once you right. get once you get your jump into the pool <laughs> with your weight into the pool, I guess, then as you get further into it, you can at, at some point just kind of jump in each time. Am I am I yeah. hearing that right? That's right. Okay. There's a you know okay. one one technique is to get thirty one things. So there's one for each day of the month. <laughs> oh yeah. So it, is it better yeah. to write every day or just when when the inspiration hits you? Um, there's controversy over that. I I tend to say write as frequently as you can. Um, sometimes if we say I write, you need to write every day. If somebody misses a day, they might be real apt to not go back. So yeah, that's true. Just write regularly. Um, make it make it a ritual of some sort. Um, I think once, oftentimes, once you start and you really start to feel the progress, that really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, you can write with friends. Writing alone together <laughs> is a great thing to do. Yeah. Um, do you cur- encourage in your um, workshops that you hold? Do you encourage people to share what they've written, or is it just completely personal and up to them if they want to? Totally up to them. People find that um, sharing does add another dimension. Okay. Um, research shows that it doesn't really matter whether you share or not. Penna Baker, who's a big person with that, says you don't need to share at all. The writing is what's important. And I think yeah. that's a, as a therapist, I remember that. Because in therapy, we want to process everything. In writing, we let the writer, we let the writing be the heavy lifting. They, it does the heavy lifting. Got it. Okay. That. You know, and the beautiful thing about writing what's real to you is there's no mm-hmm. one that can really judge that. You know, there's no right. There's no wrong. There's, it's just who you are, what you feel, and what you think. And it's, it's, it's just so personal. I, I, I love that. And I think that's how a lot of memoirs kind of start out too. But um, at some point in time, people shift from that idea of writing for personal use to maybe turning it into a book. Have you ever seen anyone turn their therapeutic writing into a book? Absolutely. I see it happen frequently. It's just, again, it's that different process. You, you kind of become clear in your own journal writing. And then that kind of gets synthesized into what does this mean and how could, how might somebody else get something from that? Um, Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it's, you know, the whole, the whole thing is really intriguing to Sharon and me, I think, because we both do have a book. We've both, and we've done other writing besides just our book, you know, we've contributed to magazine articles and whatnot. So there's, there's a lot of ways to write, and especially if you do want to get published, there's, you don't have to sit down and write an entire book, but you could write magazine 
stories or whatever. And there's a lot of different ways, and it it's all meaningful. You know, everything yeah. everything everything you write about matters to well, somebody. And I always and I love Becky when you have said in the past um, about you don't just sit down to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. You write a paragraph, <laughs> yep, or you write right. a page, um, yep. and and you may not even use that page, but but a part of it is just like you said, creating a ritual, creating a, a the space to sit down and write uh, frequently. And mm-hmm. now with all of our um, our tools that we have, we can. We can talk it, you know, we can, we can speak yeah. it into a recorder and then have it translated. And you, if, if that's the way you do, do your best work, then maybe that's how you start out. Um, okay. You know, so there's lots of ways that you can kind of start this process. I think the, the idea, at least for me, when I had talked about journaling, I got all hung up on having it, having it look good. <laughs> That's why I don't write with a pen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because, I, I mean, my handwriting was beautiful to begin with, and then you get into it, and it gets all messy, and you have scribbles, <laughs> and you're, uh, you misspell words, and all that stuff. And I literally had to go through a process with myself of saying, it's okay if it looks horrible, and I scribble out things, and I spell things wrong, and, and it looks awful. And I was able to actually get over over a hump of like maybe a day or two and rip it up and <laughs> not go back to it because of that silly little thing in my head. But I had to figure that out. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and it all means something different to all of us. And I think that, Karen, you kind of hinted at something earlier. It really kind of starts with what is our purpose in writing? You know, why do we want to write? Are we writing for us to just get stuff out or are we writing for an audience that we want to leave a message to. And I think that makes a big difference in how we approach all of this. Am I right? And both are, both are important. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know how you moved from a student to a teacher, how, and when did you become a facilitator in all that? Connected to going back to that first writing group that I thought was so powerful. I went, we, we met once a month at the time and, um, I was delving further into further about, you know, what are some different ways to write and then going to the, to the writing group regularly with my writing friends. Um, and uh, when the facilitator um, transferred to another location, I, it was like three years later, I went, well, maybe I'm ready. <laughs> I'd really like to take over the group if I, if, you would allow me to do that. That was a And they said, sure, let's do it. And, That's great. Um, so, and, and actually my first writing book, when I think about it, on February, my first mastectomy was on February 22nd, 2011 at 2 o'clock. And the <laughs> following February 22nd. It's that funny how those dates like too with us. I did my first writing book. I had my oh, wow. first writing group. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. So what, yeah. what have your experiences been as you've uh, facilitated these groups of cancer survivors? First of all, I, I, you see a lot of courage and inspiration in those groups, people who are willing to, first of all, share their stories and just being to go what they've gone through. 
mm-hmm. it's it's not easy walking through cancer. No. Um, and um, just watching how people make sense of things and support each other and support themselves, learning how to support themselves. Um, but it's, it, to me, that's inspirational. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, Very much it, so. some, sometimes it's getting people to that point of, but I'm not really a writer, so I'm not going to sound like so-and-so in the group. And yet, uh, none of us are professional writers, um, but we all write. If you can spell a word, and nobody even, <laughs> as long as you can understand what you've spelled, mm-hmm. I, I, we all sit through those things and somebody will say, I can't read my writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it yeah, never fails, yeah. does it? <laughs> and that's a good writing. thing about typing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there is still something about group. handwriting things, I think, still. Some people handwrite and some people use the computer. And I think it's just more important to write. I mean, some people get say they get different things from it. I think it's important to write, whether you're more comfortable on a computer or whether you write by hand. Just write. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And, and it is, it's very important. You know, my husband is a master at writing. He likes to handwrite notes. And, you know, sometimes people still get a, a piece of mail from him, like our grandkids. And I think it's kind ah. of rubbing off on them now. They're starting to write and send little notes to us. Our, our little nine-year-old grandson. Oh, that's nice. He oh. sent me a note. He made this little samurai helmet. It's out of... Um, origami and he sent it to me because it's supposed to give me strength or, and show that I'm going to beat this cancer thing and then he turned around and sent my my husband a note and he got that from my husband he's a master at writing little notes oh. to people and and that warms you know, my heart it's just a, it's an art <laughs> it is yeah. it's almost a lost art in some cases so yeah. that's that's fabulous that he's instilled that in your grandkids that's wonderful yeah. Yep. So, what specific issues has writing proved to address in your life or in your students' lives? The anxiety, the not knowing, the uncertainty, um, learning to, to live with, um, not always knowing the answers, um, but being able to, to hold on anyway, mm-hmm. um, getting just just learning more about what's going on inside of you. You know, the folks that I watch who I've, I've had in groups for a long time and having them talk about what they get from writing now, it, you know, it changes over time, it seems to. Um, but all will say, I, I, first of all, I can't believe what I've written. Not, you know, not that they are great novels or anything. It's just like they, they, they got the power of what they wrote and what mm-hmm. they had to say. Right, um, and yeah. that they feel better, <laughs> and and maybe they would have anyway. But I think what we do with the time when we're healing does affect how we heal. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And so, how would you uh, like to see therapeutic writing utilized utilized in other cancer programs? I would love to see it offered just like any other part of cancer treatment, survivorship. Um, you know, there are many programs that offer it. Um, I've gone to Duke and, and participated in theirs, uh, Sloan Kettering. Um, there's, there's so many cancer programs that use it 
and use it successfully. I mean, when they, you know, they talk about their research with that. Um, and, and yet it's really hard to approach sometimes because um, people say, well, I don't think people are really going to want to do that. Yeah, or, that makes sense. Um, so, there's, so sometimes there's, there's resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just as important as, you know, any other piece of psycho-oncology. Um, there's a lot of, there's a, we, we can all heal better from the inside out, <laughs> you know. Um, there's just so much that goes on um, when, we're, when we're having to go through, through treatment. Um, and I think sometimes part of it is to just giving yourself permission, Permission yeah. to write, permission to feel, to lament things yeah. uh, in our life. You know what I mean? Feel that yeah. stuff. Yes. And, and we, there's a lot of times when we're so busy, we don't have time to feel. Right. You know, we're just, we're going from this treatment to this treatment. We, yeah. Oh, we have to, we have to be a physical therapy, you know, or in chemo or in something. And, and you're just hurrying all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and I, we I think to slow down and just feel what we're feeling, and exactly, and, and it's painful. <laughs> Sometimes it can be yeah, really painful it is. <laughs> to slow down. Um, I think that's um, uh, something. I mean, people tend to be busy, busy, busy. So they can't feel sometimes, you know, that's, that's yeah. their, their technique for numbing themselves. And right. whether it's a cancer diagnosis or their family's falling apart or politics are bugging you or what, I don't care what it is, you know, it's, right. it's, you got to slow down to be able to really feel it. And then using the therapeutic writing kind of concept uh, makes sense to be able to like even process your own thoughts and really make sense of them. Sometimes I, I find myself, my, uh, you know, thoughts are flying in and out of my brain and I can't even make heads or tails of how I'm actually feeling at the time. So, yeah. yeah. And sometimes you have to start writing just to kind of work your way through. What am I actually feeling? <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. And yeah. I, I've done that many times. Well, let me ask you a question, Karen, before we run out of time, because we are coming up on the last few minutes of the show. But what are some of the greatest challenges that you face in doing your work? I think it is um, the resistance to like, how, okay. how can writing help? Um, um, time. Just, just having um, people take the, the time to do that. Um, it's tough to it's tough to sit down with some of this stuff. So you know, hopefully, like a group is is helpful, and it, it can also be fun. And I'm careful about the word fun, but it can be. It um, can be, I'm sure. Yeah. And yeah. so those have to be some of the blessings too. So let's talk about the again trying to go from the negative to the positive. <laughs> Tell us about some of the greatest blessings that you have experienced personally in all of this. I think it has been again how inspirational people are and in mm-hmm. spite of some really difficult stories how they over they rise through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to make the choices about how to go through things. And are clearer yeah. about taking on their own their own choices, and that that they get to make some of those. <laughs> right, um, right. Seems like and we I have so bolder. little control sometimes over things, but it's oh, nice it's to true. to have control over something. And and your writing and what you put down on paper is that's that's yours, and that's yours yeah. alone. That's cool. So tell us about how people can get involved in the write through it 
uh, Writing for Healing project. If someone wants to participate in your program. They could. My Facebook page is right through it, the Writing for Healing Project. Um, they can call me, and I think the number will be on the the, the, the board. Um, okay. My email what's your, address. What's your Facebook? What's the Facebook page? Right through it, okay. the Writing for Healing Project. Okay. Um, my email address, uh, which is just Karen.Newcomb at sbcglobal.net. And I think that would probably, all of those you would, you would find me. I am a, I, my web page is under construction and that's Karen Newcomb MFT. Um, I think that's what it is. And Newcomb is Uh, N-E-W-C-O-M-B, correct? Correct. Okay, I had to go back and fix the thing because I left the B off of it. Uh-oh. So I'm glad we glad we <laughs> figured like that out. Home. So, um, so Karen, yeah. we are we are really right about out of time right now. So I want to thank okay. you so much for being our guest today. It's very rare that we go all the way through a show without a break, and I want to thank you for for doing it so graciously. <laughs> you know, well, usually we use that break time to kind of sort things really out. But I'm sorry. It went really fast. Yeah, it, it always does. It always does. It's amazing. But um, I again, thank you so much for for being there with us and um, giving kind of opening up this whole conversation. We really really appreciate the information. So if it, if anyone is out there listening to our show and you love our show, please go to breastfriends.org. Click on the big blue button at the top of the page that says donation and make a donation in support of this radio show or anything else that we do. We will be back next week. Until then, remember. There is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding.